The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Don't you just, like, really want Jesus to say that to you one day? I really do. Um, The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. I just love... Just like, this is just a human observation right now. I just love that he was terrified of him enough to bury the money, but bold enough to say that stuff to his face. (laughs) What? (laughs) But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away from you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Amen. Woo. Jesus talks to them. Um, the first thing to know about this passage is that Jesus talks to them in these passages about different things that are going to happen, um, which you know, for us reading this a long time later have already happened. And then he tells two stories with a meaning in them. They're known as parables to explain how they need to think about when Jesus comes back. And then he finishes with a picture of what will happen. And, And this message teaches us how to live in light of life beyond here. 
how to live in light of the afterlife, the everlasting life. This is the amazing thing for us to wrap our heads around. When you decide to follow Jesus, Jesus describes it as being born again. When he was explaining this to a religious man who had come to Jesus intrigued by him, the man got all super logical and was like, um, am I to re-enter my mother's womb? <laughs> and Jesus is like, nope, no, 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 <laughs> Nicodemus, no, <laughs> it's not literal, it's a spiritual rebirth. And now I think sometimes in our current generation we hear those words and we might be like, we might think like Kanye or like Instagram influencer, like I've rebirthed spiritually and I can't tell you just how much better I feel and um, how much things have changed in my life. I feel really zen and stuff. <laughs> There's so much of it on there, it's insane. <laughs> okay, it is, that is not the spiritual rebirth we are talking about. No, no, this is a person that we're talking about. This is the Holy Spirit changing us. This is the Holy Spirit changing us. But then we don't die and get born again. Our spirit is already born again and our spirit continues into the afterlife. Our spirit is eternal. When Jesus is asked about that, he talks about us getting new bodies and some of us are like, cool, sign me up. And others are like, I kind of like the original. Can I keep this part or that part? And if that's you, well done on your self-confidence. But our, our spirit and who we are on the inside is from now, from this moment, everlasting. It's everlasting. It just blows your mind, doesn't it? So we are not already, we are not in the already, not yet. I think Bron is trying to be particularly tricky right now. She says, we are not yet in the complete new, but we are new living in the not yet anew. She's so smart. It's okay, I'm going to explain it. (laughs) Last week, um, we received from the Word of God great hope and confidence and dare I say even a little bit of excitement about the fact that here is not all there is, right? Here is not all there is, that the end is not the end. It's actually way better and that's great. But what about now? Right? We live now, but we've also got to live now in the context of we get to live later. And that changes how we live now. And so these parables teach us three things. They teach us promise, perspective, and purpose. And these things propel us into how to live now in light of then, the what's to come. So in the last parable... In Matthew 25, 31 to 46, Jesus paints a picture. All nations come before him, and he's there on the throne to judge them, and he separates out the sheep from the goats. Can I just say as a side note, he does that? He he does that. He does that. We don't do that. He does that. He knows. He is the shepherd. It is not our job to decide who goes to heaven. It's our job to love people. And, and sometimes we'll encourage and sometimes we'll warn and we'll help people along the way. But we don't decide who's a sheep and who's a goat. Because we're not the shepherd. He is the shepherd. So for the sheep, he says, hey, you blessed ones, there's something prepared for you. 
And what that is, we're going to actually talk about in depth next week. So stick with this series because it gets even better. He says, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. And those people were shocked, you know. They were like, when did we do that stuff? We didn't even see you or do any of that. And Jesus will say, you did it for the down and outers. You did it for those who needed it. And when you did that, it was like you were doing it for me. Stop just a second and let that sink in. Because when you sponsor a compassion child or when you, um, when you stop and give dignity to the drunk in the gutter, by saying hello and caring for them, when you care for the poor and downtrodden, when you advocate for the asylum seeker, when you condescend off your pedestal to care about someone less fortunate than yourself, knowing that, but for the grace of God, that is all of us. In, in that place, in those moments, you are doing that to Jesus. And I love that he turns around and says, I'm really grateful when you do that. It pleases me. That's really cool. So this then clarifies our purpose, right? Our purpose for what about now? What about now? What is our purpose right now? Now, sometimes God speaks really specifically to us about our purpose, But generally, for all of us, what is our purpose? What is our underlying purpose true for everyone? We've just seen it. We don't live now to amass wealth for ourselves. It's not about building up our empire. It's not about wealth accumulation. It's about wealth dissemination. It's about how do I best handle and distribute the wealth I've been given to do the most good. Does this mean you can't enjoy your own wealth? I don't think so. I don't believe it. I don't believe that. Um, In fact, where we have constantly had miraculous provision over the years in our family, um, and I know in the Bennell family as well as in the area of holidays, uh, you know, that's just bonus. There's a whole bunch of people in the world who don't get to do that. Um, and, And we have not been able to afford a lot of holidays, and yet stuff has just happened and come together often and they've been incredible blessings. Like, God is generous. He's, he's not about don't enjoy yourself. He's not about don't enjoy some of the fruits of your labor. That's not what we're saying. I'm a firm believer that you should enjoy your wealth, but you should also appropriate it. It's not about wealth. It's about your life purpose. So how can I spend my life making it better for people who don't have the same opportunity that I have with no win or gain for me? How do I live my life lifting others up wherever I can? That's our purpose. And that's going to look different for every one of us. And I love that God has made us uniquely and put us on different streets in this town and put us in different jobs and industries so that he could kind of spread it (laughs) around and go, I need you to influence this area. I need you to know this person. I need you guys to do what... These guys will never have access to do, right? You have a purpose and you've been put exactly where you are on purpose. How do I live my life lifting others up wherever I can? You see, we can look around the world at what's going on and get freaked out and just be like, Lord Jesus, come back now. But we have a purpose and this purpose stands 
no matter where we live. If world powers change, our purpose doesn't. We look for the person doing it tougher than us and we seek to lift them higher. If the stock market changes, our purpose doesn't. We find a way to provide for someone who has no one providing for them. If COVID restrictions change, our purpose doesn't. If who gets to go to a restaurant or a sports event changes, our purpose doesn't. So you see, we continue no matter what is going on around us because what about now? What about now? Now is the time to start living out our purpose because here is not all there is and the end is not the end. It's actually way better. But how we live now walks us into that eternity. So let me put this to you. What if our purpose doesn't change even then? What? (laughs) What if it doesn't... You might be like, but Trish, we all get mansions in the next life, right? Like, that's what I was promised and that's what I signed up for. Like, I want a mansion. (laughs) I've already, like, prayed to God about my floor plan. (laughs) No, I haven't, but it would be funny if I did. We're... um, how about, what if, what if, and we're going to look at this more next week, but let me tell you, the, the community is part of God's plan always, always has been, always will be. You know, heaven is not this like, although some of you may wish it right now, the introverts amongst us might wish for like, heaven for me is a deserted island where no one else can reach me. Jesus can come visit, that's fine, but no body <laughs> else but I'm sorry to say that's actually not the plan but the best part is in heaven like you maybe won't be so introverted and you'll love that you're in community okay <laughs> community is always part of the plan it's always likely to be part of God's plan we were never made to be self-sufficient and independent not even in the afterlife we were not made to be codependent either but when we're made to be interdependent, interdependent together. It would be possible um, to have as good a handle to, of taking care of each other now as possible so that we are better prepared for then. So what if your purpose now actually prepares us for living in that amazing community <clears throat> later? It's like, oh, I already know how to do this. I know how to look after people. I've been doing it this whole time. Heaven's amazing. Let's do it with like, you know, the endless bank accounts. Let's get it done (laughs) or whatever it looks like. Now is the time to start living out our purpose because here is not all there is and the end is not the end. It's going to be way better. Which segues us to the second thing we're taught in this passage and that is of our perspective. Our perspective. So we've got our purpose. This really gives us perspective, doesn't it? In the here and now, in light of the afterlife, we have a change of perspective. Just to even know that there is one changes our perspective. Why? Because our master is coming back and he'll have some questions about what we do now. First thing to note about Matthew 25, 14 to 30 is that it is a parable, okay? It's not a literal account of what will happen. It's a, uh, it's kind of like this. If I say this ice cream tastes like bubblegum or I will order bubblegum ice cream, I'm not saying this ice cream is bubblegum. 
So that is the same as a parable, okay? So we're not, this, reading this passage is not to say, you're going to stand at the gates of heaven and Jesus is going to open the ledger and go, um, not enough interest, you need to burn in hell, okay? That's not how this goes. It's a parable. It's a parable in order to make us think. In this parable, the master gives his servants some money in proportion to their ability. He doesn't expect anything more than what you have the capacity and the ability to steward. <sighs> How freeing is that? Breathe. Because if you, like me, have spent a little bit of time comparing yourself to someone else who's awesome, you can stop it now. <laughs> Because you have been given what you have been given. And God is only interested in you stewarding that. Boom. That's it. Let's celebrate that. (laughs) That is a good thing. He doesn't expect anything more than what you have the capacity and the ability to steward. The first two people in this parable yield results. They bear fruit. And so when the master comes back, he's like, good stewardship, well done. Let's celebrate. But the third servant has a perspective. And he has a perspective on his master that the other two didn't have. And his perspective causes him to take a certain course of action. The first two people had a perspective of, he's a good master. He's coming back and I need to keep account to him. So I'm going to use what I can with what he's given me. Right? That was their perspective. They trusted in a, guy, in, a, in a master who was good and who was coming. The third guy, different perspective, different result. Three points about how this story needs to change our perspective. Number one is know that you've got the goods. You've got the goods. Everything you need to steward and bear the fruit and yield the results that you should produce has been given to you. And it might not be as much as the person over there. It might not be as much as the person over there. Forget it. Forget what they've got. You have everything you need for the life God has ordained for you. Uniquely created, handcrafted, knitted together in your mother's womb. You. He's got a plan for you. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. 2 Peter 1, 3. Second point out of this story. It's an entrustment. It is not an entitlement. It's given to be invested and returned. It's a stewardship. This concept has complete, was completely familiar with the audience that Jesus was talking to at the time. They knew the writings in scripture and understood that what they had was an entrustment, not an entitlement. Do we know that today? Do we know that today? Where we are growing up in the generation of, of creating, carving out, and demanding, in some cases, our rights. Do we know it the same way that they knew it? Do we know that we're not self-made? Do we acknowledge that where we were born was granted to us? Do we know that the grace that we've received to be able to do what we do was a grace? If you have a talent, it was put in you. You didn't put it there. 
You honed it. Maybe you invested in it. Identified it. Nurtured it. But God put it there. It was an entrustment, not an entitlement. Do you know that you don't have any bragging rights? And how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Now, at the time, it was in their law, and that's why this would have been a more common um, principle for them than in comparison to us. It was in their law. So we see it in Deuteronomy 10.4. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 10.4. They would have known that by heart. It was in their Psalms. Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. This was their worldview. It all belongs to him. And how we use it, we're accountable for. Can you see how that could change perspective. Number three from this passage, it matters what you think of the master. It matters what you think of the master. In fact, it makes all the difference. This is why people who are so passionate about eternal security won't compromise. You might have heard that um, once saved, always saved. Um, It's also referred to as perseverance of the saints. They're so passionate about it because they don't want anyone to think that they could lose their salvation. Now, me personally, um, and I'm reading this as bronze words, but I also agree with her. Um, And I will note that um, Australian Christian Churches doesn't have a set doctrine on this particular thing. I hold these two things in tension. God is the author and finisher of my faith. He is writing the story. And I trust him to bring it to a conclusion. I'm safe in Jesus' hands. So when he says no one can steal me out, he's talking about me. I am safe in his hands. That's my belief, solid belief, and it's scriptural. I also believe that I can walk out of his hand with the free will that he's given me. Now, that's just my belief. My experience is that his grace powerfully chases people down who do so. So there's, there's a, there's a um, huh, lost the word. Yeah, there's a perspective. There's, there's a tension. There's a line of where people um, sit in this belief of once you say the words, I believe in Jesus, your salvation is secure and nothing can ever impact that, no matter how you live from that second after, right through to what I said and beyond. So... Um, You can form your own belief based on reading your Bible, please. (laughs) But if you think of the master as someone who is waiting to judge you, um, you will live a certain way. You'll live like, kind of like we did as kids, where someone storms in and goes, who ate the last biscuit? Um, We were, if Jesus came back right now, If we believe that the master is waiting to dish out punishment, like that's what he's waiting for, to just dish out punishment to those who love him, we will live this tentative, hesitant, halfway, way too focused on our own good enough works in fear that is not reverence and awe, but scared witless. And we won't launch into this full, rich and abundant life that he's actually promised for us. 
When he says, child, jump, I've got you, we will stand on the cliff edge of our lives in a... uh, mm -mm, I don't know that he's going to catch me because I I yelled at him earlier in the week or I didn't talk to him for a week and so if I jump off the cliff, he might just like go, well, you know how you did that to me? (laughs) You know, like we live like that if we make the wrong assumptions about who God is. So we are given this stewardship, but it's from a heavenly father that loves us, who gives us everything we need to fulfill the life that we are given, who sent Jesus so that we could receive full and free forgiveness for any time we stuff it up, and sent the Holy Spirit to empower and equip us in every waking moment that we live. It's not ours, it's an entrustment, it's not an entitlement. But from a father who loves us and wants us to be effective and productive. And he's not waiting to sit there and shame you. He's waiting to come back and celebrate with you. So what now? What now? We live with purpose. We live with perspective. And we live with a promise. We live with a promise. Now, these bridesmaids tell us that we need to live with that promise in mind. It's the promise of last week. Here is not all there is. The end is not the end. It's way better. But it's also the promise of he is returning. He is returning. And, oh, man, I I actually can't wait until next week when we talk about his returning. Um, But that's what's then. (laughs) We're talking about what's now. And this means I have to live with my eyes fixed on that city whose builder and maker is God. We live as sojourners in this land, prepared and ready for the next one. We live in this place and we love it and we enjoy it and we take care of it, but knowing that it is being redeemed. There is a renewal coming. There is a a renewal coming, but we need to live the now, in light of then. It's a promise. Our job is to be ready. Our job is to be prepared. Uh, She's worked on some alliteration here. It's really good. (laughs) We need to be prepared. We need to be primed, which means full, ready to go, oil flowing. And we need to be perceptive of the times that we are in. So wake up, sleeper. If the bridegroom in this story hadn't tarried, which is an old school word for delayed, the other bridesmaids would have been fine. They would have been fine. They had enough to get started. It was when they had to endure that they ran into trouble, right? So for us, we need to keep going to the source to get our oil. Now, you might have gotten a kickstart from your friend. You might have put your hand up on a Sunday morning. You might have had that first, um, you know, flush of oil. But as it gets longer, maybe harder, you need to keep that oil full. Keep that oil jar full. In lockdown, where are you getting your fill? In the first week, my disciplines were amazing. (laughs) How did they end? I had to speak to myself about halfway through and go, no, go back, fill your tank. 
when you can't come here to get it filled, what are you doing? Go back to the source. Fill your oil jar. Remain ready. Keep it full. Because Netflix isn't going to cut it. And COVID kilos won't cut it. And Cadbury won't cut it. I tried. So I can rule that one out for you. Um, (laughs) Cadbury doesn't help. Lockdown love won't cut it. You need to go to the source. So where are you at? Do you need to change your purpose? Is it way too me and mine? Would you get whiplash in the eternal kingdom of heaven if it's all about everybody else? Do you need to adjust your perspective? Are you living with the very present promise of Jesus' return? Some questions to ask ourselves this week. I really encourage you to do so, to wrestle with these questions, especially if they're hard to answer. Pray about it. I'm going to pray for you. Father God, thank you so much. I thank you so much that you speak, that you're present, and you're the, the kind of God that you are, that you're a kind master who, when you ask us to do something, you equip us to do it. And then you leave behind a piece of yourself to encourage us and equip us and show us how to do it. God, you are the kindest. And so, Father, for those who have struggled with that perspective of who you are, God, I pray that something would just fall right off their eyes right now, Lord God, that they would see you in a way that they've never seen you before, as a loving, kind Father who has every good intention for them, who is leaning in and waiting to see what you can do with them next who is not standing back with his arms folded, judging every move, every failure, Lord God. That you would free them from that opinion of you, that you would free them from that perspective, because it is freeing. It is freeing to know that you are a God of love and mercy. But God, we also want to know and keep in perspective that you are coming back, that this isn't the end of the story, that you are not done, Lord God. You are not done, that there is more to come and that the way we live right now actually impacts that and it impacts our involvement in that. I thank you, God. I thank you as we wrestle with these questions that you would just, just peel open our hearts and minds that we might be really honest with you. And if there's stuff we have to deal with, that we would deal with it with you in partnership with you. Not in judgment. Not hiding from you and going, oh, no. But coming to the foot of your throne and trusting ourselves with you and in you. And just as we remain with every eye closed and every head bowed this morning, I don't want to move on from this moment without giving an opportunity to those who... Um, who maybe have not yet committed themselves to Jesus and have heard what we said this morning and have realized there is more, there is more coming and who want to acknowledge that there is a God that loves them, even if that's hard to grasp right now and that they want to be part of the heaven to come. If that's you, if you've not yet declared yourself a Christian 
and you want to do that right now, I want to give you the opportunity. So just as every eye is closed for your own privacy, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. And then I'm going to pray for you. If that's you this morning. And for those of you who have struggled with believing that God was for you, for those who have struggled with believing that God wasn't mad at you, would you raise your hands this morning as I pray for you? Because this is common. I see those hands. Thank you. The hands going up all over the room. Father God, I pray grace would flood the lives of the people who just raised their hands and those who were too scared to just raise their hands. I pray that you would give them a physical demonstration of your love across this week, that something would happen, that they would do a double take and go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you're not mad at me. You love me. You love me. God, I ask that you would quiet the voice of the enemy or the voice of their past, whoever that represents, that says that they are not good enough, that they are not worthy, that they are not welcome in your presence. God, I pray against it right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would bring them into a freedom that they have never had before. And that is the freedom of knowing that they are loved, cherished, welcomed home into your arms, no matter what, no matter what they bring with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So no, normally we would have continue the conversation right now. Um, but we don't have an MC because I'm the MC, so I don't know how to interview myself. Because that would be weird for you all. <laughs> so I thought what I might do is just give you a second. If anyone has a question that they are brave enough to call out to me, I will attempt to answer it. But otherwise... We'll wrap it up for the day. We don't have morning tea this morning. We're easing back into COVID restrictions and all of that. It will get better, don't worry. Um, but um, does anyone have any questions that they want to ask this morning? No? Cool. No worries. Um, okay, so please enjoy the weather. It's gorgeous. Maybe grab a few people and go to a cafe or something, especially people who maybe live alone or whatever, just do community as well as you can under the circumstances. Stay safe and we will hopefully see you next week. Thanks everyone.